You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good day to you. Welcome to episode 40, The Midlife Crisis Begins. Actually, that's less of a gag than you may realize. As I'm now approaching the fabled 4-0, I'm starting to undergo the old midlife crisis. I'm wearing clothes that are several sizes too small for me because I'm very cool these days. I'm nodding at young people and doing a thumbs up because that makes me very cool. I've joined WhatsApp and Vine and Viber and BBM and Uvu and Tango and... Badu and Path and all those other cool social gathering houses or whatever they're called, although I only actually use Facebook. I'm beginning to think hats will make me look cool. And my musical tastes are changing. Check out this sick beat. You, 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 tell her, cause I, 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 You Tell Her I Stutter by the Cotton Pickers. Funnily enough, not the worst title ever for a song. It could instead be this one. My canary has circles under his eyes. Since making poppy became all the rage, it's even got to the old bird cage. My canary has circles under his eyes. Or how about Give Me a Pig's Foot? maybe with her head tucked underneath her arm. With her head tucked underneath her arm, she walks the bloody tower. I think my favourite, though, has to be the Hoosier Hotshots, with I like bananas because they have no bones. We don't like to whistle. Apparently the most streamed song on Spotify during 2014. I know that because I'm very cool these days. Only thing is, I am feeling a little irregular at the moment. Obviously, that's not a problem for a cool cat like me, Daddy-o. But I am starting to sound like an out-of-tune violin. Are you all out-of-tune because you're irregular? 
Then help yourself get back in tune with Kellogg's All Brand. When Kellogg's All Brand goes gently to work, relieves constipation due to lack of bulk by supplying your system with bulk-forming whole bran. Yes, a daily bowl full of Kellogg's All Brand with milk helps put you right back in tune. The natural way. The good-tasting way, too. Fact is, Kellogg's All Brand is the one brand cereal that combines proved effectiveness with appetizing taste and crispness. It never gets mushy in milk. So remember, if constipation's a problem, gentle it away, as millions do, with Kellogg's All Brand. Right, on to some thank yous. My mother thanks you, my father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I assure you, I thank you. Gary Bond has been in touch to say that having been inspired by the game as a foot, he will be hosting a Basil Rathbone-style detective-themed pub crawl, and I am very welcome to come along with them. Sounds amazing. Send me the details, and if I can make it, I'll be there like a solar flare. In the meantime, perch a deerstalker on your head and stick this in your pipe. Canterbury. The Podpal's biggest fan, Sensei Robbie Palanco, Robbie Palanco, Robbie Palanco, live tweeted his listening experience with the adventures of Alfred Hitchcock Part 2. Robbie, you're a gentleman, and gentlemen know exactly what to do with newly hatched Canterbury's. To everyone that sent along birthday wishes on Twitter or email or Facebook or wherever else, I've saved you all a big slice of my birthday Canterbury. Canterbury. iTunes have put the secret history of Hollywood in their 10 years of podcasts feature in the UK and Ireland, which is a true honour. Thank you, Danny. And thank you, iTunes. I was literally jumping for joy when I saw it. You know what's hot? This is what's hot. And a scorchingly hot thank you must go to the eminent Mr. Will McKinley this week, who took time out from faithfully documenting his movie-going life to write, in my opinion, one of the finest articles on the internet. (laughs) It was, in fact, to recommend this podcast to his adoring fans, and I very much appreciate him taking the time to do so. So, Will, I place a blindfold on you and tuck a last cigarette in your mouth. Ready, aim, Canterbury. Canterbury, Canterbury. I shall drop a link to Will's article in the show notes. Thanks again, Will. You made an already dazzling birthday even more so. Now, I'm not going to pretend that this show is in any way organised this week. I always have good intentions, but sometimes, when I'm considering a few films to tell you about, I just get an urge to go a bit random, as I have today. There is no earthly reason why now, of all episodes, I should choose to take you to Ealing Studios. I was just flicking through my movie collection the other night and noticed that I haven't really been there with you guys yet. Apart from when I told you about Dead of Night all those episodes ago. So follow me do to the west of London where once upon a time a collection of creative geniuses were busy creating a body of work that's been adored by movie fans ever since. Of course, when the name Ealing Studios is mentioned, there are a few film titles that spring instantly to mind. 
Kind Hearts and Coronets, Passport to Pimlico, The Lavender Hill Mob, The Lady Killers, and Whiskey Galore, among others. But you may not have seen the following three. Firstly, a colour-ealing comedy from 1954 entitled The Love Lottery. This stars David Niven as Rex Allerton, a British movie star in Hollywood who's at the height of his fame, but who's begun to suffer from nervous exhaustion due to the constant scrutiny and harassment from the fans in the media. Fans? You ever had any fans, Oliver? I've got millions of them, all organised into clubs. I'm a, I'm a public utility. Anybody who pays a quarter to see me on the screen automatically buys the right to use me, to tell me what to do. If I vote for this side, I'm a communist. If I vote for that, I'm a fascist. If I don't vote at all, I'm evading my duties as a citizen. Vegetarians tell me not to eat meat. Temperance groups yap if I take a drink. They yap if I smoke. They yap if I don't smoke. They yap, 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 yap. Exasperated beyond all reasoning with the intrusion into his life, Allerton cracks one day when the marketing boys come up with a wild idea. The column does a big feature every year. It's for frustrated people. Make your dreams come true. Now the prize is uh, a car or a cruise or a trip to Europe or a new wardrobe. Something they're belonging for. But this year, they'll get a prize that nobody can top. A prize they'll never forget. An entire week in Hollywood as the guest of Rex Ellerton. Why only a week? Huh? Oh, you don't like the idea. Oh, I think it's a fine idea. I just don't think the prize is big enough, that's all. You see, you both think that dog actors are the only ones who give their all to the public. You underestimate the human section of our profession. For ten years, you've been waving me at women like a red rag at a bull. You've been teasing them with, with autographs of Rex Allerton, photographs of Rex Allerton, a day with Rex Allerton. Now you want to give them a week with Rex Allerton. Oh, let's stop teasing them, Oliver. If his readers really want me, they can have me. Not just bits and pieces and tantalizing little odds and ends. They can have the lot. I'll marry the winner. That's a pretty good story right there. Oh, Rodney, you can't. He retracts everything, don't you, Rex? Not a word of it. The perfect mate for Rex, the wonder boy, okay? Oh, boy, the love lottery. Fine idea. And what a prize. Well, I've just got time to make the Eastern papers. Thank you so much. Goodbye. While Rex and the rest of the world treat the competition remark as a joke, though, on the other side of the world, a shady European organization known as the International Syndicate of Computation, a collection of diabolical mathematicians, theorists, and logical thinkers, decide to persuade Allerton to go through with the love lottery so that they can influence the result and make a fortune on predicting the winner. Gentlemen, we must have a new kind of prize. Miss Jane? Yeah? Do you know a film star, Rex Allerton? That man with the wet lips and the silly face? These things, I believe, are a matter of opinion. Oh, I saw him in a film in which he killed 439 savage tribesmen without stopping to reload his trusty rifle. That comes to 91 and 3 fifths savage tribesmen per shot. Mm. I'm starting a new lottery with Rex Allerton as the prize, the winner to marry him. What do you say? Well, why not? All sorts of livestock is rattled off nowadays. The girl who wins is Sally, an unassuming, starry-eyed secretary from London who's had a crush on Rex Allerton for years. When she wins, she finds herself as famous as Rex himself and equally as unable to cope with the pressure of celebrity as he is. 
A very odd little film for a number of reasons. As an Ealing comedy, it falls a little flatter than their most famous outings. It lacks the community spirit and coziness of films such as Whiskey Galore and Passport to Pimlico. Take a step back from the Ealing brand and it stands up a little better. If this wasn't an Ealing film, it would actually appeal a lot more, which seems like an awful thing to say. You spend the entire film looking for the Ealingness, if that's the right term, which doesn't ever arrive. It takes a long time to get going. The actual lottery draw takes place near the end of the film. The resolution follows very soon afterwards, and the threat in the film comes courtesy of a collection of antagonists that are more reminiscent of Spectre or Smirsh from the James Bond movies, rather than the stuffy officials found in other Ealing comedies. That said, David Niven is as wonderful as ever, and Peggy Cummins, who plays Sally, is drop-dead beautiful and utterly charming. They're backed up by Herbert Lom as the head of the shady organization and Gordon Jackson and Sebastian Cabot. All in all, it's a peculiar entry in the Ealing canon, one that attempts to throw an Ealing spin on the obsession with celebrity, albeit in a slightly clumsy and overlong way. Nevertheless, I have to recommend it as it's such an out there concept, which is nothing if not unusual. It also contains an incredible cameo in the film's closing moments. Rack your brains and try and come up with the most unlikely person you can think of to appear in an Ealing comedy. And I bet that none of you will come up with the name of Humphrey Bogart. That's right, Humphrey Bogart made an appearance in an Ealing comedy. It's a very brief scene, but there he is, just as the love lottery closes, playing a tiny gag scene with Herbert Long. And it's a really jaw-dropping moment. It may be you. Secondly, sound the Alec Guinness in multiple roles in an Ealing comedy alert, because... Stay calm, everyone. Alec Guinness is playing multiple roles in an Ealing comedy. Oh, well, I didn't realise that was an actual thing. So which... Please do not handle any sharp objects, remove any signet rings, and make sure that your pets are securely fastened to the nearest windmill. So, which film am I talking about? Of course... I'm talking about Kind Hearts, and no, I'm not. I'm talking about Barnacle Bill from 1957. I found myself on the beach with my bowler hat. Then one day I saw that advertisement in your paper. For £5,000, the answer to all my dreams. One look at her photograph, and I was on the telephone clinching the deal. There you are. For the price of my modest savings... At last, a command of my own. The Arabella. The Arabella? The Arabella. Alec Guinness plays William Horatio Ambrose here, an undistinguished sailor who decides, upon retiring from the Navy, to purchase his own vessel to command and settles on the Arabella. But the Arabella is not a boat. The Arabella is a rundown amusement pier 
on the south coast of England that Ambrose decides to renovate, turning it into a luxury resort destination and run with naval-grade efficiency by the ragtag band of locals he enlists. All the best piers in this country are run naval style, and under my command, Sandcastle Pier is going to be no exception. I shan't be satisfied until everything is, until everything is pier shape and Blackpool fashion. What Ambrose hasn't reckoned on, though, is the crooked local town council who plan to demolish the pier and sell the area to profit. But Ambrose is a canny devil and comes up with an ingenious plan to keep them at bay. He'll register the pier as a ship, therefore removing it from the council's jurisdiction. Era Bella. Tonnage? 2,116. Is that dead weight? It is indeed. Class of ship? I'm using her as a pleasure craft. Passenger vessel. Port of registry? Sandcastle on Sea. Something wrong? No, it's just a little unusual. A seaside resort. <laughs> Type and make of engines? Oil induction, Loveday and Bone. Loveday and Bone? Are they making marine engines, huh? They made ours. I thought they were only light and power. That's rather interesting. When and where was your ship built? Sandcastle, 1892. 1892? Then she must have been on the register for years. She has never been launched. I see. Length? 1,032 feet. My dear sir, that makes her longer than the Queen Elizabeth. She is. Barnacle Bill has been kind of maligned since it was released, but while it certainly doesn't hit the height of some other Ealing comedies, I have a deep fondness for it. Alec Guinness is brilliant, even though he apparently hated the film. He still throws himself into proceedings. As I said, he plays Ambrose as well as a whole gallery of his forefathers, and he's utterly charming in every role. The outwitting of crooked officials is one of the classic Ealing themes, and it's well served here. Every time the council arrive with writs and court orders or some other scheme to close the pier down, Ambrose and his gang come up with a way to outfox them, and it's magic stuff. Also, the sight of the pier being slowly transformed from a rickety old wreck into a genuinely gorgeous little haven by the members of the community who all pull together with paintbrushes and tools will put a very wide smile on your face. Plus, Donald Pleasance pops up in a very small role. Plus, Jackie Collins, yes, that one, plays a girl called June. Plus, there is this scene. Cool, huh? Last up, a sharp turn to the left for Ealing, who were never just about the comedies. In 1945, Robert Hamer was given his first solo directorial outing and began work on the Victorian noir thriller Pink String and Ceiling Wax. I suppose I'd know all about it if I got what you said. Deadness? 
certainly would. It ties people up in knots, as if they're taking some of that strychnine up there. Really? Even experts find it hard to tell the effect of one from the other. William Palmer nearly got off because the doctors disagreed. But the man needs to prove the man he poisoned had been ill for less than three days. Anyhow, there was no cut where the germs could have entered. So it couldn't have been tetanus. Don't you know a lot? This is the multi-layered story of two households in Brighton. The first is that of the Sutton family, headed by the domineering, God-fearing and sadistic Edward Sutton, played by Mervyn Johns, a chemist who keeps a sharp and cruel grasp on his children, played by Sally Ann Howes, Jean Ireland and Gordon Jackson. Are those your notes on the properties of the alkalis? Well, I... Efficient note-taking is the key to success in all examinations. Let me see. They're, they're just a rough draft. Nevertheless, I should like to see them. To Mary versus... I was just trying my hand at writing a few verses. You see, I... Read them to me, please. Oh, I... I can't. Read them. Amid my drab diurnal quest, my senseless round from place to place, one vision soothes my weary breast. It is that of your adored face. For in my restless sleep I seem to hold your beauty in my arms. And till the cruel day I dream of eyes as grey as mountain tarns. Lord Tennyson will have to look to his laurels. Am I correct in supposing that this rubbish is addressed to Victoria's friend, Mary Truscott? Yes, Papa. Miss Truscott is in London. You write to her? Yes, Papa. And she replies? Answer me. Yes, Papa. I wonder what Sir George would think of his daughter's clandestine correspondence. To drown his sorrows, David, played by Gordon Jackson, sneaks out in the middle of the night to a local pub run by Joe Bond and his floozy of a wife, Pearl, played to perfection by the dazzling Googie Withers. What do you have? Penner. What's yours? I'm not drinking with you. Please yourself. Why can't you stick to your own man instead of running after mine? Hark at her. Yours indeed. Seems to me the only thing you ever got out of Dan was that pretty little scar on your face. Dirty slut! David and Pearl's paths cross, and eager to rid herself of her drunken, abusive husband, Pearl determines to murder him. When David takes her to his father's chemist shop one evening, she steals some strychnine and uses it to put her husband to death. However, when the police begin to suspect foul play, Pearl comes up with a diabolical plan to release herself from blame. David's father, Edward, has recently been appointed to the local jury and hoping to influence his decision on her, should she be arrested for murder, she pays him a visit. Well, I, I don't know how to begin. It's all so dreadful. You see, it's about your son. David? You know David? Well, we've been friendly for quite some time. He came to the pub one evening, we got talking. You know how it is. I'm thankful to say I do not know how it is. Why have you come to see me? There's no need to talk like that. I've come to help you. I've come to help you save your son from the gallows. I can only suppose that you're insane. You see, David was ever so sorry for me. 
because Joe used to drink and knock me about. I didn't know what to do. So David said he'd give me some stuff to put Joe off the drink. Go on. Well, one evening he brought me in here and gave me some white stuff out of a bottle there. He told me to take it home and put it into Joe's whiskey, so I did, and Joe died. And now they've dug him up, and they're going to try and find out what he died of. Well, I've been putting two and two together. What was that white stuff David gave me? What are you suggesting that it was, Mrs. Bone? Well, it seems to me as if the police think it's poison. And why should my son wish to poison your husband? Well, I didn't realize it at the time. I thought he was just sorry for me. But I found out since that he's ever so sweet on me. What blooms from this taut situation is a near flawless exercise in suspense and tension. Pink string and sealing wax takes its time in introducing its characters, and because it does so, some reviewers have tended to label it as plodding. Nothing could be further from the truth. The slow setup is vital to the film's power. Much time is given over to telling the story of the Sutton family, namely the children, who each live in desperate fear of their cruel, inhuman father, who seems thoroughly intent on thwarting their happinesses. In order to find any escapism, the children must resort to deceit. Victoria sneaks off to a music audition. David sneaks off to a pub. Because of his father's cruelty, David finds himself embroiled in Pearl Bond's murder plot. And when the crime is used as a bargaining chip against him, Edward Sutton must finally look at the error of his ways and step up to become the father he always should have been. So on the surface, the film is a murder mystery, but dig deeper, and you find that it's also a masterfully constructed character study, a tale about heroes and villains, of the darkness and light in every human being, and a coming-of-age story. Not bad for a studio that prided itself on gentle comedies. I won't spoil any of the film's surprises. I will instead insist that you search out Pink String and Ceiling Wax and revel in a profoundly well-crafted drama built upon the bones of a British Victorian noir thriller. A definite must-see. Now, one or two of you may be rightfully thinking, how am I going to link today's show to an old-time radio episode? There are no old-time radio editions of Ealing films, as far as I'm aware, unfortunately. Well, I shall link it cleverly is all I can say. Right, so David Niven, who starred in The Love Lottery, also starred with Cary Grant in The Bishop's Wife, directed by Henry Costa, who also directed Harvey, starring James Stewart, who was born in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Well, Indiana Jones, of course, was often called Indy by his friends. One of the most famous indie pop songs was Common People, by Pulp. Well, Pulp Fiction starred Bruce Willis as Butch, which was also the name of the black cat in the Tom and Jerry cartoons, where Lillian Randolph starred as Mammy Two-Shoes. She also starred as Bessie, the maid in The Bachelor and the Bobby Soxer, opposite Myrna Loy, who in 1946 married Jean Markey, who was also once married to Hedy Lamarr, who in 1947 starred in Dishonored Lady, opposite her husband at the time, John Loder, who starred as the Strangler in The Brighton Strangler. The source of the line, Canterbury, which is a cathedral town in England and the location of the King's School, whose alumni include the director Michael Powell, who in 1946 directed A Matter of Life and Death, starring David Niven, which is where I started. 
Okay, so Humphrey Bogart had a cameo in The Love Lottery. Well, once upon a time, he starred in one of the greatest films ever. Its name was The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, and here is a radio adaptation of it. First time to come up with them was in Tampico, that's a seaport town. Tampico, northeast Mexico. I was having a beer near the docks when they came in. Hot Sunday afternoon. You a fellow American? Yeah, that's right, mister. <laughs> what do you want? I want to know about a guy named McCormick. You ever hear of him? Cormick? Cormick. Oh, yeah, yeah, in the oil business. That's right, oil. Have you seen him lately? Where can we find him? Well, you gentlemen, I'd run clear, McCormick. Hires a crew to work in the oil field, see, then he never pays him off. <laughs> Slick. <laughs> Slick like oil. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't mean to tell me he's hooked two smart fellow Americans like you. <laughs> that's right, Pop. Six weeks in the oil fields, 120 in the shade. Only I ain't through with Mr. McCormick. Fred C. Dobbs is going to get his wages, see? Come on, Dobbs. Let's have a beer. <laughs> I could hear him talking at the bar. Drifters, both of them. Not what you'd call good friends, either. Just a couple of guys that happened to wind up in Tampico. Yeah, just like me. Only difference is they're young. <laughs> yeah, I see him again that night. They came wanted in the flop house. Fifty centavos for a bed. Me? I'm sitting up talking to a couple of sailors. The subject of the conversation is gold. Hey, Pop, you mean there's gold here in Mexico? <laughs> Not ten days from this very spot. Whole mountain of gold's waiting for the right guy to come along, discover a treasure, and tickle her until she lets him have it. <laughs> Question is, are you the right guy? Tell me something. Why is gold worth some uh, 20 bucks an ounce? Mm, I don't know, Pop, because it's scarce, I guess. A thousand men say go searching for gold. After six months, one of them's lucky. One out of a thousand. His fine represents not only his own labor, but that of 999 others to boot. That's, uh, that's 6,000 months or 500 years scrubbing over mountains, going hungry and thirsty. An ounce of gold, mister, is worth what it is because of the human labor that went in to find the getting of it. Yeah, never thought of it just like that. Well, there's no other explanation, mister. You start out to you tell yourself you'll be satisfied that 25,000 handsome smack is worth it. <laughs> so help my Lord and cross my heart. Fine resolution. After months of sweating yourself dizzy and grown short on provisions and finding nothing, you finally come down to 15,000 and 10. Finally, you say, Lord, let me just find $5,000 worth and never ask for anything more the rest of my life. Yeah, $5,000 is still a lot of dough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, here in this joint seems like a lot, but I tell you, if it was to make a real strike, you couldn't be dragged away. Not even the threat of miserable death could keep you from trying to add 10000 more. Get 10, you want 25. 25, you want to get 50. 50, 100. <laughs> like roulette. One more turn, you know, always one more. I wouldn't be that way with me. Oh, hello, mister. You didn't find McCormick, huh? I'll find him. But about gold, I swear it wouldn't be that way with me. I'd take only what I set out to get, even if there was still a half a million dollars lying around, just waiting to be picked up. I have dug for gold all over the world. I know what gold does to a man. You talk as if you once struck it rich. How about it, Pop? Yeah, what are you doing in here? A down and outer. That's the gold, mister. That's what it makes of us. Never knew prospector yet that died rich. Sure, I'm an odd old bone now, but say, don't you guys think the spirit's gone? I'm all set to shoulder a pick and shovel any time anybody's willing to share expenses. <laughs> I bet you are. Rather go by myself. Going with loans the best way. You've got to have a stomach for loneliness. On the other hand, going with a partner too is dangerous. Murder's always lurking about. Partners accusing each other of all sorts of meanness. So why should finding gold make a man any different? If he's the right kind of a man to start with, gold ain't going to change him. You ever tried running her down, mister? Ever tried prospecting? No, no, I ain't. <laughs> you didn't have the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, I knew that answer. <laughs> You know it all, Pop. <laughs> well, I think I'll go to sleep and dream about piles of gold growing bigger and bigger and bigger.
week later, I see him again, Dobbs and Curtin, all lumps and bloodied up. Looking for me, they were. Something to tell me. Uh, they take me to a cantina and put a bottle of beer under my nose. We found McCormick, Pop. Yeah, and it looks like you found a peck of trouble, too. Well, we got our wages. Every last penny. Yeah, we've been thinking. Why not try digging gold for a change? Well, it ain't any riskier than waiting around here for a break. And this is the country where the nuggets of gold are just crying for you to take them out of the ground and make them shine on coins. Now the fingers and necks are swell dames. <laughs> well, that's what you said the other night, wasn't it? Yeah, what's so funny? <laughs> living out in the open is cheaper than living in town. Our money would last longer. Yeah, sure it would, sure. Only you have to have equipment. Ever think of that? How much that all cost? Well, we, uh, we figured we'd ask you. We ain't denying anything when you come right down to it. We don't know much, much about prospecting. Of course, if, uh, if you wasn't so old... Uh, maybe it, uh, maybe I'd go with you, huh? Is that what you're, what's on your mind? Uh, you want to take me along? Uh, would you go? <laughs> would I? <laughs> Say, what a question. Of course I'll go. Any time, any day, out for gold. Always at your service. Well, I got 200 American bucks ready cash. Last money I got in the world. How much do you guys got to put in? 150 bucks. Curtain here has the same. Total 500. Ain't hardly enough to buy the tools, weapons, and essential provisions. What do we need guns for? Well, for one thing, meat. For another thing, bandits. Bandit country's where we'd be gone. We ought to have uh, 600 bucks between us. Well, that much, huh? You can't dig up anymore, huh? Not a red cent. Get away, get away from me, will you? Senor, you don't comprehend. You'll comprehend a glass full of beer right in your kisser if you don't leave me alone. I tell you, I don't want any lottery tickets. Now beat it. Lottery tickets? <laughs> oh, that's for gambling, man. <laughs> but always whoever wins a lucky number gives the seller a present of 10%. Hey, wait a minute. What are you talking about? Dobbs. He's trying to tell you he, he sold you the winning ticket. Here, look. The least of all the winning numbers. You buy ticket for five centavos, remember? Two, three weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, I remember. What about it? You win, senor. A 200 peso prize. Oh, give me that paper. Oh, just look at that fat, rich, printed number. You got the ticket? Sure, I got the ticket. Oh, 200 pesos. Welcome, sweet little smackaroos. Here, son, here's a present for you with my blessing. Go to the lottery office, senor. Get the money. Well, congratulations. Congratulations yourself. You stand a profit out of this the same as I do. How do you figure that? Well, did he just say we needed 600 bucks? Well, that's what we got now, ain't it? Yes, sir. Just like that. Stroke of fate. Fortunate circumstance. But how come you're putting up for me? Because this is an all or nothing proposition. We make a fine, we'll be lighting cigars with $100 bills. If we don't, the difference between what you put up and what I put up ain't enough to keep me from being right back where I was this afternoon. Polishing the park bench with the seat of my pants. Put her there, pardon Thanks, Dobbs. Well, gentlemen, now here's what we do. We take a train to Perla. That's a little town at the foot of the Sierra Madre Mountains. There, when we're there, we'll buy our burrs and get away from the railroad. No use looking for gold anywhere near a railroad. <laughs> you got to have, uh, well, we got to go where there's no trails at all. Just bend. Now, that sounds okay to me. Okay, partner? Sure, sure. Yeah. we got to go where no surveyor. Anybody who knows anything about prospecting has ever been there before. Well, ha! drink up, gentlemen. Drink up. We'll buy a map and some railroad tickets. Bought about half our gear there in Tampica and then took the train for Perla. About 50 miles from Perla out in the desert was a big boulder on the tracks. Bandits trying to raid the train. Hey, they're retreating. Look, they're retreating. Look, they're riding off. 
Hey, save your bullets, Mr. Dobbs. You're too far off now. I got three of them. Credit me with three. How many did you get? A couple, I guess. Mm, bandits, uh, guess they were expected. That's how come so many Federal soldiers riding on this train. That bandit that rode right up to the train. The one with the gold hat. Yeah, I had my sights on him nice as you please. But the train gave a jolt and I missed him. I sure wish I could have got him. Well, you boys cooled off enough to look at this map? Huh? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, it ain't much of a map. Don't properly show whether it's mountain or desert. That shows the makers of the map themselves don't know for sure. That's good. <laughs> uh, what are you doing, Dobbs? I'm reloading. Can't tell if them bandits may come back. Yeah, 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 that's right. Uh, well, wake me up when the shooting starts. <laughs> Hey, Pop. What's he saying, the storekeeper? Well, he's proving he's got a right to sell us these burrs. They all got the same brand, see? Letter A. Elsewise, some native Indian might meet up with us and claim our burrs. I will load your supplies on the burro, senor. Oh, thanks, son. Thanks, yeah. My father is much worried for you, senor. Worried? What's he worried for? Yeah, we paid him, didn't we? Well, he says we're going into very wild country, jungles, and then high mountains, and tigers so big and strong, they can climb a tree with a burr in their mouth. Tigers? Here? Yeah, more like leopards, I guess. Well, I'm glad to hear such tall tales, gentlemen. That means mighty few outsiders have ever set foot there. Yeah, well, let's get going, then. Come on, kids, shake it up. We're in a hurry. Get them burrs loaded. <laughs> Take it easy. Now, this mountain climbing ain't like a walk around the block. I'm dead. Let's sit a while. Yeah. If there is gold in these mountains, how long would it have been here? Millions and millions of years, wouldn't it? Well, then what's our hurry? A couple of days more or less ain't going to matter. Look at the old man way ahead of us there. Yeah. You and me scared, we'd have to pack him on our backs. Yeah. That was when I took him for an ordinary human being. He's part goat. Let him climb, will you? If I'd have known what prospecting meant, I'd have stayed in Tampico and waited for another job to turn up. I couldn't. Couldn't. Look. Look. What's the matter? These rocks. Look. These little veins running through the rocks. Look at them glitter yellow, too, like... Like gold. Gold? We've been sitting on a gold mine. Get the water bag. Wash some of that dirt off. Hey, Howard, Howard, come back. We found something. Yeah, yeah we found something. Here, here's the water. There's a vein all over the rock. We struck it, Curtin. Look over there. It's in all the rocks. Just like he said, a bonanza. Howard, look. Look at these rocks. Oh, they're full of gold. Veins of gold. Yeah, that's what you wanted to show me? Yeah. I saw it when I passed by. Gentlemen, this stuff wouldn't pay you dinner for a carload. It ain't gold. Pyrite, who's gold? Oh, not there ain't plenty of the real stuff hereabouts. Walked over it four or five times already. You mean we've been passing it up? Why? Not enough of it. Not enough to pass a good day's wages. Well, you figure to set it out here all day? Come on, Kurt. Let's go. Next time you fellas strike it rich, holler for me before it starts splashing water around. Water's precious. Sometimes it'll be more precious than gold. Hip, you burrow. Hip, burrow. <laughs> that was a fine country. Inspiring. Didn't see a soul, just the beast of the jungle and birds, all bright gay colors. Felt good ten years younger. Better man than either of them. Warm down to just plain gristle. Come out, well, they just lay on the ground, puffing and groaning, 
too dogged out to set up meet their beams. I can't move. I just want to lie here. Yeah. Hey, aren't you guys going to eat some beans? Do you want some beans? Going through some mighty rough country tomorrow. You better have some beans. Oh, shut up, Pop. Go on, eat them up. Let us alone. How's your feet feel, Dobsy? <laughs> Bet you jump up like a jackrabbit was a pretty woman to stroll by. Bet your feet wouldn't bother you not then. That wind. It's blowing up awful cold. Getting cold, is it? Getting cold. He's like a norther. Yeah. And they blow hard. They set that desert country up down there on his hind legs. We're lucky lucky to be up here, all right. <laughs> lucky. Reckon there's only a couple more days of this heavy stuff. Pretty soon we'll be leveling off. Pretty soon now. Howard. Howard, come here. A couple of more days, you said. That was three nights ago. We've had enough, Howard. Dobbs and me, we want to give up. Give up, huh? Yeah. Leave the whole outfit right here. Go back to civilization. <laughs> well, tell my whole grandmother. <laughs> Go back to civilization. I got two very fine, elegant dead fellows who kick at the first drop of rain and hide the closet when thunder rumbles. My, my, my. What great prospect. Now lay off us, Howard. Yeah. Two shoe clerks is what you are. Two shoe clerks reading the magazine about prospecting for the land. Gold in the land of the midnight sun. South the border, west of the Rockies. Shut your trap. <laughs> Shut up, Rob. Smash your head flat. Hi, go ahead. Pick up that rock and throw it. Go ahead. If you did, you'd never leave this wilderness alive. Without me, you two would die here more miserable than rats. Leave him alone, Jobs. <laughs> Can't you see the old man's nuts? Nuts? Nuts, am I? Let me tell you something, my two fine bedfellows. You're so dumb, there's nothing to compare you with. You're dumber than the dumbest jackass. <laughs> Look at you. Look at you. Did you ever see anything you like dogs for being dumb specimens? <laughs> you're so dumb, you don't even see the riches you're treading on with your own feet. <laughs> Look at me. I'm dancing on a... I'm doing a dance on a mountain of gold. <laughs> what are you talking about? This is it? There's gold uh, here? Uh, 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 what'd you expect to see? Nuggets of molten gold? Shorts here. Rich. Rich, too, but not rich enough for me. Yeah, and here ain't the place to dig. Comes from someplace further up. Up there. See? That's where we've got to go. Up there. Only I'm going alone. Because my two courageous companions have agreed between themselves to desert and go back. Well, go on. Get. I'll take one more day of it. What do you say, Kurt? One more day won't kill us. Yeah, change your minds, huh? Thank you, my two fine friends. <laughs> You move me to tears with your faith and trust in me. One more day, huh? And you can follow my trail. Because I'm going to be camping there tonight. This is it, Howard? This stuff right here? Yeah, this is it, all right. Gold. Sure don't look what I... Like I thought it would. It's just sand. That's just sand. Yeah, just like plain sand. It don't glitter. I thought it would glitter. Oh, it'll glitter when it's refined. But that's another guy's job. Yeah, you got to know how to recognize it. That ain't all. Not to find it, not by a long shot. You got to know how to tickle her so she'll come out. Yeah. It's mighty rich, this sand. It'll pay good. How good? Oh, about 20 ounces a ton. That's some $20 an ounce. How many tons can we handle depends in a week? On, well, depends on how hard we work. Well, we better pitch our camp down the mountain a bit. Why do that when the gold is here? In case anybody happens by, bandits or soldiers chasing bandits or Indians. 
or a pretty woman out for a stroll. In that case, we'll tell them we're hunters. And uh, maybe we'll get away with it, maybe. Hunters? Wouldn't it be easier just to file a claim? Easier, maybe, but not so profitable. Wouldn't be no time for an emissary from one of those big mining companies to be right up here with a paper in his hand showing us we had no right to be here. Well, how does it feel, you fellas, to be men of property? I'm sorry about the fuss we kicked up, Pop. Guess we was pretty dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but we made it, and we're here. Men of property, what do you know? <laughs> yeah, everything's going to be all right from now on, huh? <laughs> everything's going to be fine. Sure it is. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Why not? <laughs> well, we'll find out, won't we, Dotsie? Yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> Our stars will return in a moment with Act Two of The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Say, John, do you know what color stockings are the greatest headache to photograph? Oh, skin tones? No, black. Well, the wardrobe people at Warner Brothers were telling me that the black opera length nylons Joan Crawford wears in Flamingo Road had to be washed ever so carefully. You see, the camera picks up the slightest imperfections. They looked wonderful, I remember. So, I strongly suspect Lux Flakes. Naturally. Hollywood studios depend on these tiny diamonds. They're so fast and so rich, they freshen nylon safely in no time. Hollywood's way is the same care millions of girls give their nylons. Well, smart girls realize that it's foolish to risk strong soap or cake soap rubbing. These things make stockings go into runs in short order. Strain tests prove it. Prove that stockings washed with Lux Flakes last twice as long. And what a help that is when you give stockings hard wear. Well, Jones Nylon's got a good workout in Flamingo Road. That deliberately corny dance she does is magnificent. <laughs> Sydney Greenstreet will tell you that she packs quite a haymaker, too. <laughs> he took it on the chin in one of their violent scenes together. And uh, Zachary Scott, as the weakling Joan really loves, makes a wonderful contrast. Joan does a very convincing job, too, as a carnival girl who fights her way up the social ladder. But, you know, I was thinking afterwards that no matter how much money she had, she couldn't find a better, safer care for her costliest nylons than Lux Flakes. And they're within the reach of every girl. That's true. It's no wonder over 90% of the makers of stockings recommend Lux Flakes. Here's our producer, William Keeley. Act two of The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, starring Humphrey Bogart as Dobbs and Walter Houston as Howard. Oh, for a month we, we didn't mind a grain of ore. There were things to do first, setting up camp, corral for the birds, and sluice way off the creek to wash out the gold. Finally, the time come when we weighed our first take of the treasure. How much, Howard? How much you figure we got? Oh, about $5,000 worth, I reckon. That's not bad. When we when do we start dividing it up? Why divide it now? When the time comes, we're all going back together. I'm for dividing as we go along. Make each guy responsible for his own goods. Well, I just soon have it that way. I haven't liked the responsibility of guarding your treasure any too well. Uh, who asked you to, Pop? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, you never asked me. Only I thought I was the most... Uh, Trustworthy of the three. <laughs> you? How come? <laughs> I said trustworthy. <laughs> as far as being honest, well, no one can say. I don't get it. All right, suppose you were charged with taking care of the goods. 
One day I am deep in the brush and Curtin's on his way to the village to get provisions. That'd be your big chance to pack up and leave us in the cold. Only a guy that's a thief at heart would think me likely to pull a stunt like that. <laughs> well, right now it wouldn't be worth your while, but, uh, well, when the pile has grown, uh, yes, sir. Such, uh, well, think of such things you will. Yeah? How about yourself? Oh, me? Well, I'm not picking the feet any longer. <laughs> you fellas are a lot tougher than when we started out. Yeah, you'd have me strung up in no time. <laughs> that's why I think I'm the most trustworthy. Well, looking at it that way, I guess you're right. But let's do like Dobbs says, divide the proceeds every night. Well, by me, gentlemen. And each one of us will have to hide his share of the treasure from the other two, huh? Well, why not? Having done so, he'll have to be forever on the watch to see that his hiding place is uh, not discovered. And what a dirty, filthy mind you got. <laughs> oh, no. No, not dirty, not dirty, baby. Only I know what kind of ideas even supposedly decent people get when gold's at stake. <laughs> All right, Curtin, hand me them weighing scales. Here she goes, boys, three ways. Venison stew. Sure tastes good, Pop. Where's Dobbs? He ate before. Alone? Yeah. Tell me something, Pop. What are you going to do with all your hard-earned money? Oh, I reckon I'll settle down some quiet place, get me a little business, hardware, grocery store, spend the better part of my time reading comic strips and adventure stories. <laughs> One thing's for sure. <laughs> I'm not going prospecting again. Well, what's all that about? Oh, we're just John Dobbsy telling each other what we'll do when we get back. Me? I got it all figured. First off, I'm going to get a brand new set of duds, a dozen of everything. And I'm going to a swell cafe. Order everything on the bill of fare, and if it ain't just right, and even if it is, I'm going to ball out the manager and make him take it all back. What's next on the program? Well, what would be? <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, we ought to put up some kind of a limit on our take. Agree now that when we get so much, well, we'll just pull up stakes and beat it. What kind of a limit? Oh, say $25,000 worth for each man. 25000 Small potatoes, 50 anyway. 75 would be more like it. I'm young. I need dough and plenty of it. No use making hogs of us. Hog, am I? Maybe you don't know it. I'd be within my rights if I demanded half again as much as you get. How come? Well, I put up the lion's share of the cash, didn't I? Well, so you did, Dobbsy. I always meant to pay you back. In any civilized place, the biggest investor gets the biggest return, don't he? <laughs> That's one thing in favor of the wilds. Oh, not that I... Intended to demand it, but I, I'd be within my rights if I did. So next time you go calling me a hog, just remember what I could have done if I'd wanted to. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, ain't it, Pop? Yeah, real funny. <laughs> Catch me sleeping, huh? I'm not that dumb. Hey, them guys try to put anything over on me, it'll... Costly one for both of them. Any more lip out of them, and I'll, I'll let them have it. You know what's good for you? You, you don't monkey around with Fred C. Dobbs. What'd you say, Dobbs? Huh? Oh, uh, oh, nothing. Uh, you better look out. Bad sign when a guy starts talking to him. Yeah? Well, who else am I going to talk to? Certainly not to you or Curtin. And don't get the idea you two are putting anything over on me. I know what your game is. Well, you know more than I do. So why am I elected to go to the village tomorrow? Why me instead of you or Curtin? Time I'd be gone, give you plenty of chance to discover where I hid my goods, wouldn't it? <laughs> you got any fear along those lines? Why don't you take your goods with you? And run the risk of having them taken from me by bandits? <laughs> They'd kill you anyway, Dobbsy. Just for the sport of it. Ah, so that's it. You're hoping bandits will get me. 
That'd save you two a lot of trouble, wouldn't it? <laughs> All right, Dobbs. Forget about it. Well, I ain't going to the village, see? You can go back and tell that to Curtin. <laughs> okay, partner. I'll tell him. <laughs> So Curtin went down to the village for provisions. He was all stirred up coming back. There were soldiers in the village chasing bandits. That wasn't all. He met up with an American, a fellow named Cody. And he kept pumping me. He followed me into the store. Wanted to know what I was doing here. What did you tell him? I said I was a hunter, a professional hunter. Kept asking me, did I see anything up here that looked like gold? Shook him off, Curtin? Got rid of him, huh? I couldn't. He followed me. You sure he trailed you? Yeah, I'm sure. What makes you so positive? Because every time... Because if you turn around, you can see for yourself. There he is. Hello. All right, you. Walk over here to the fire. I, uh, guess I'm not wanted, huh? I just couldn't resist the chance to sit around and jaw with an American. Now, don't make any mistake, mister. We got no use for you. We're full up. No vacancies. Go back where you came from. Take our blessing with you. Thanks. Hungry, mister? Go on, help yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. We don't want a guy to starve to death. Tonight you're our guest, see? But tomorrow morning, look out. No trespassing. Beware of the dogs, get it? I, uh... I got a few hides while you were gone, Curtin. Five foxes and a tiger. How are the skins? <laughs> Pretty good. Hey, excuse me for butting in. There's no wild game around here worth going after. Yeah, you're right, mister. You're right. That's why I've made up my mind to clear out. Yet it might be pretty good ground for something else. I told you in the village there's no gold around here. My boy, if it had been one single ounce of it, I'd have smelled it, believe me. Then you're not as smart as you appear to be. Gold, huh? <laughs> it gives me an idea. Guess I'll sleep on it, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, me too. See you in the morning, Cody. Sorry there's no room in our tent. If you want to, you can roll up here by the fire. Oh, it's fine. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I can't figure him out. Is he wise to us or not? Now you guys go to sleep. I'll be watchdog for a couple of hours, and then you and Dobbs can take your turns. You got a gun handy? Yeah, right here. Okay. Didn't get much sleep last night. Did you, Fred? <laughs> That's fact. We didn't. Well, let's lay our cards on the table right now, huh? You found gold here. I know it. And because I know it, you'll have to do one of three things. Now, look who's telling us what we got to do. One of three things. Kill me, run me off, or take me in as a partner. Partner? Well, we... Now, let's consider the first. If you start killing people, just how far are you prepared to go with it? Another guy may come along tomorrow. Not much we'd stop at, mister, to protect our interests. I only say that killing me isn't the answer. As for choice number two, you run me off and I might very well inform on you. Twenty-five percent of your gold is a reward I'd get. It's a pretty strong argument in favor of killing you. Yeah, I don't deny it. But take me in as a partner and you don't lose anything. I'm not asking for a share of what you've made so far, only in the profits to come. <laughs> Think it over. I'll be looking after my borrowed. Well, Howard? Yeah. Send them away is out of the question. Uh, Fred C. Dobbs ain't a guy likes being taken advantage of. We got no real choice at all. Bump them off. Mm. What, what do we gain by... What do we gain by killing them? I don't mind being taken some advantage of as long as there ain't no money out of my pocket. And whoever else happens along, they ought to be invited in too. Come one, come all, huh? Uh, you got a point there, Dobbsy. No question about that. But, uh... 
but to kill a man. What's the matter? Ain't you up to it? Sure, sure I'm up to it. Let the majority decide. What do you say, Curtin? For or against? Well, for or against? For. Okay. We'll make it short and sweet for him. Stand right where you are, Cody. Guns, huh? Gonna shoot me, huh? Yeah. You convinced us. Uh, before you start shooting, you better take a look down there in the valley. There's some men coming on horses. Oh, so that's your stinking game. I knew you was an informer. I knew it all the time. Now, you're wrong, brother. This means all our funerals. Yeah. <clears throat> They're bandits, gentlemen. About a dozen of them. Someone at the village must have told them about the American hunter up here. Well, we better start thinking of a way to defend ourselves. We could try hiding the rocks, but then we'd lose the birds and the whole outfit. No, the best thing for us to make a fight of it. Is it you three against them, or us four? Well, now I guess it's us four. Yeah. We'll settle your case later. If you're alive. <laughs> He's got something there, Dobsey. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if we're alive. <laughs> Bandits turned out to be Gold Hat and his boys. Same crowd that held the train on, uh, on the way up to Perla. They spotted us, all right. Started pouring it on us. And all at once they turned and took off. Didn't make sense. When we saw why, far down the mountain, hot on their trail was maybe 50 soldiers, federales. We just stood there watching them shoot it out half a mile below us. Look at them federales. Sick them tight, chew them up and swallow them. Oh, boy, am I happy. Ought to tell you the truth, I was already eating dirt. Hey, you better stay covered, Dobsey. If them soldiers start spreading out, we may have company after all. Yeah, yeah. Get down, Curtin. Come here, you guys. Looks like the bandits settled our problem. Cody's dead. What do you mean he's dead? Take a look. Bullet. Right through his neck. Yeah. I wonder who he was. Maybe better go through his pockets. Maybe he's got folks somewhere. Here's his wallet, Pop. James Cody, Dallas, Texas. Yeah, and a picture. A girl, a little kid. Hmm. Guess she's his wife, huh? Oh, it's not bad. Well, I guess we better dig a hole for him. Funny how it's all worked out. We didn't have to shoot him after all. Gentlemen, if you'd ask me, I, I'd say it's about time we considered leaving this mountain. How much gold do you figure we got? Upwards of 35000 apiece, and I'll tell you what, we ought to be plenty thankful. Well, let's call it quits then, the sooner the better. Take another week to put the mountain back in shape. Do what to the mountain? We've wounded this mountain. It's our duty to close our wounds. It's the least we can do for all the wealth she's given us. If you guys don't want to help me, then I'll do it alone. You talk about a mountain like it was a real woman. <laughs> You've been a lot better to me than any woman I ever knew. Keep your shirt on, old-timer. Sure, I'll help you. Six days later, we loaded the gold on the burrs and little canvas bags and started down. Late that afternoon, pushing through the brush, we walked straight into a bunch of Indians. I don't know where they come. Peaceful, all right, friendly. But they uh, wanted help. Do you mean help? What kind of help? They've been heading for Durango. Seems like a little boy in their village fell into the river. They fished him out, but he won't come to. He ain't dead, but they say he just won't come to. Well, that's tough. Well, they want me to go back to the village with them. Ain't far. Maybe I can do something. Why? Was I to refuse them? They'd make me go. I'll be back soon, before morning, probably. And if you're not? I'm leaving my birds with you. Look after my goods till I get back. It's okay, Pop. We'll wait for you here. Thank you.
gentlemen. I, I got to go, go back go back again to the village. Yeah, but you just said you fixed the kid. You said he was cured. Yeah, fixing the kid was simple. Artificial respiration, a few Boy Scout tricks. But they say I got to visit them with... Well, I got to go with them. Their gods will be angry if they don't show their gratitude oh, to me. Tell them to forget it. They don't owe us a thing. Oh, I tried. Just made them mad. Well, that's them over there waiting for me. I'll handle this. Javi hombre. No puerta que da. No, no. Hey, now, wait a minute. Don't, don't you touch your gun. Don't touch your gun or we'll be scouts in half an hour. El señor. El señor no importa. El doctor sí importa. Now, what's he saying now? Well, he says it makes no difference about you guys, but I've got to go back with him. Oh. Oh, it's like that, huh? Yeah. They just want you. Looks like it. Well, go on, then. We'll meet in Durango. Well, uh, well what about my goods? Take them with you. Ah, if they found out, they might forget he was their honored guest and bump them off, huh, Pop? Well, what'll I do? Dump them out here on the ground? We'll take them with us if you want us to. Well. <laughs> Any better ideas, Pop? Yeah, I reckon that's about the only solution. I'll bet you remember this the next time you try to do a good deed. Don't worry, Pop. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be lonesome without you, Pop. Look out for those Indian dames. One of them squaws might marry you. Yeah. Maybe I'll do just that. Pick me out a good-looking squaw and marry her. They're easy to dress and feed and entertain. Well, so long, partners. See you in Durango. And so I left them and went back to the Indians. No choice. I had to go. And behind me, in the keeping of Curtin and Dobbs, was my share of the treasure. $35,000. And you could have a time of it. Just as hard going down there, mountains as it was going up. I'm stopping here for the night. You hear me, Curtin? I'm stopping here. It's early yet. We can wait four or five miles before dark. Well, go on, then. Take his bros with you. Ain't my responsibility. Since when? Give us nothing but trouble for two days. Straying off trails, smashing their packs against the rocks. He knew what he was doing when he turned them over to us. Might have cute of him, wasn't it? So you're staying here for the night, huh? Yeah, you heard me. Well, if you can't go any further. Well, who says I can't? It don't make me laugh. I go four times as far as a mug like you, but I don't want to. I could if I want to. I want it, but I don't want to. See, Mug? What's the use of hollering, Dowsy? Okay, we'll camp here. How far do you suppose the railroad is from here? That's well, hard to say. We'll reach the high pass in two days more and get fresh water. After that, I don't know. <laughs> That's a joke, Dobby. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking what a bonehead play that old jackass made when he put all his goods in our keeping. Figured he'd let us do his sweating for him, did he? Uh, we'll show him. We'll show him what? Can't you see it's all ours now? We don't go back to Durango at all. Nowhere near Durango. Steal his goods? Ah, where'd you ever grow up? Sure. Take his goods and go north. Leave the old jackass flat. Now, look, you don't really mean that. Fred C. Dobbs don't say nothing he don't mean. As long as I can do anything about it, you won't take a single grain of the old man's goods. Ah. So you want to take it all for yourself and cut me out? 
Well, you're out of your head. I'm on the level with the old man, same as I'd be with you. Oh, sure. For a long time, I've had my suspicions about you, and now I know I've been right. What suspicions? Bump me off. Bury me out here in the brush like a dog. Oh, you're crazy, Dodge. You're out... And you'd have not only the old man's good, but mine in the bargain. You'd have yourself a big laugh, wouldn't you? Thinking how dumb the old man and I were. Put your hands up, Curtin. Go on, put your hands up. Dobbs. Was I right or was I right? Go on, stand up. Get on your feet and take it like a man. Trying to put one over on Fred C. Dobbs. A... Pull a gun on me, huh? Pull a gun on me. Only now I got the gun and you listen to me. Go on. Pull the trigger. Oh, Dobbsy, look, you're all wrong. I never intended to rob you. You really mean that? Then give me back my gun. Look, wouldn't it be better the way things are to split up? I mean now, tonight. Yeah. And that would suit you fine, wouldn't it? So you could fall on me but from behind. Shoot me in the back. All right, then. I'll go first. And wait for me on the trail. Ambush me. If I meant to kill you, why wouldn't I do it here? Because you're yellow. You're yellow. You haven't got the nerve to pull the trigger when I'm looking you straight in the eye. You really believe that, don't you? Jokes. Full of jokes. Well, then we won't separate. We'll go on together. And every day you'll take the trail right ahead of me, and every night I'll tie you up. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Kurt. I'll make you a little bet. Three times 35 is 105. I'll bet you $105,000 you go to sleep before I do. How long can you go without sleeping, Curtin? Two days? Three? Four? Whatever it is, I can go longer, see? And the day you fall down on the trail, that's the day that Fred C. Dobbs wins his bet. $105,000. <laughs> Just like I said, Curtin, you couldn't take it, could you? Fell asleep, didn't you? Who wins the bet? Ha <laughs> ha! Who wins the bet? The old man will catch up with you. He will. Oh, he will, will he? Well, I got an answer for that one, too. I'll tell him you tied, you tied me to a tree. That you stole all the goods, yours, mine, and his. So he'll be looking for you, Curtin. Not for me. And a fat chance he's got of finding you. So long, partner. We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. this brief intermission before Act Three of The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, I'd like to introduce a most promising young player, blue-eyed Claudia Barrett. Do you find it all work and no play on the Warner Brothers lot, Claudia? No, indeed, Mr. Keeley. In fact, watching a Technicolor picture like My Dream is Yours being made is entertainment in itself. I've been humming the songs ever since. And fine entertainment it is. You know, Jack Carson is a radio talent huckster, and Doris Day as a singer are delightful. 
It's especially good fun when Lee Bowman gives Jack some real competition for Doris's affection. You know, so many places of local interest are featured. Los Angeles people should feel right at home. And the clothes in my dream is yours. Mm, they're really dreamy. Doris wears some pink crepe pajamas with a matching quilted robe. They're out of this world. <laughs> you mean they're not for a workaday world? No, that's what surprised me. The designer told me that the crepe they were made of is definitely washable. Oh, with Lux Flakes, that is. I'm glad you added Lux Flakes, Claudia, because wrong washing methods could easily spoil the delicate color. I know that, Mr. Kennedy. I play safe and stick to Lux Flakes for my nice thing. Good girl. Well, you know, scientific tests prove that slips and 90s washed with Lux Flakes stay color fresh three times as long. These tiny diamonds are really amazing. They burst into suds the instant water touches them. Thick, active suds that leave undies sweet and fresh in no time. Yet they leave colors lovely. I guess they were gentle because they're so wonderful on my hands. You can believe your hands, Claudia. Mild Lux Flakes are safe for anything safe in water. They're another fine product of Lever Brothers Company. Thank you for coming tonight, Claudia Merritt. We return you to William Keeley. The curtain rises on the third act of The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, starring Humphrey Bogart as Dobbs and Walter Houston as Howard. Yeah, I left Dobbs and Curtin on the trail with all my goods and gone to the village of the Indians. <clears throat> yeah, they couldn't do enough for me. Food, drink, for little girls to brush flies off me. Yes, sir, old man Howard is a regular mogul. Real potentate. Then some of their hunters came in from the brush. They were carrying a man. Curtain, it was. Curtain. With two bullet holes in him. Dobbs did it, Howard. Dobbs. Yeah, made off of their goods, huh? How could he be such a bad shot? He left me there. He thought I was dead. Now, take it easy, son. Take it easy. You're talking too much. Don't worry about me. I'll pull out of this if only to get that guy. Well, I reckon I can't blame Dobbs too much. What do you mean? Well, Dobbs ain't a real killer as killers go. I think he's honest the next fellow, almost. Big mistake was leaving you two fellows alone in the wilderness. <laughs> Mighty big temptation, partner, believe me. Dobbs shot me down in cold blood. He shot me a second time just to make sure. A man goes crazy with that much wealth in his reach. Maybe if I'd have been young, been out there with either one of you, I might have been tempted too. Well, Curtin, <clears throat> nothing to do but set out after him. A couple of days, I'll be okay. Yeah, but not for chasing down a mountainside. The Indians, they could loan us horses. That's why I figure I'll catch Dobbs. He goes far and as fast as a man can, but alone, with them birds and on foot. I'm going with you. Give me ten days, two weeks, and I'll come back for you. I'm going with you. Look at you, you're weak as a newborn kitten. Don't worry, I'll look after our interests. I'm still going. Yeah, <laughs> I reckon you're going. <laughs> Some of the Indians came with me. Said they had to protect me. I tried to figure out what I'd do with Iron Dobbs' boots. I tried to make time. I'd sacrifice anything for time. Sleep, rations, even water. Howard, what have they found? Another dead burr. Dobbs is really driving. That's the third burr he's killed off. I don't like this wind. Dust blowing like this cover up his trail. Yeah, it might blow like this for days. Fills a man's lungs with dust. Burns him out like pure poison. We're not going to stop, are we? Dobbs won't stop. Well, we keep going. We, he'd be running out of water soon. We were going to fill up at the high pass. Yeah. When he went north, my friends say there's water's mighty scarce in the north. 
They say something else, too, Curtin. Yeah? Yeah. Gold Hat and a couple of his pals escaped the Federales. They're on foot. They passed here just a day before Dobbs. Amigos, see? At the mud hole. One man and six burros trying to squeeze water out of the mud hole. Aye, six burros. Shoot, he wears, see? Shoot. See, the three of us have a little fun, huh? Jewelry too, maybe, huh? Come on, we say hello to our friend. Water. Water. I made it. I made it. Town can't be far off now. A road. That's a road over there. Just one more day and... Wait, amigo. What? What do you want? Senor, we are three poor men in rugs. Cigarettes? You have cigarettes, maybe? No, I... No, I haven't. I... I got a little tobacco, if that'll do. He's got a little tobacco. No paper to roll it in? Paper. Yeah. Yeah, here. Going into Perla, amigo? Yeah. Yeah, I, uh... I gotta sell my burrows. I gotta get some money. Matches. Or cigarette. Uh, matches, yeah. Here. Your handshakes, amigo. You sick, maybe? Sick? Oh, I... Oh, I, I ran out of water. I'm all right now, I... I could use a good burrow driver, maybe, maybe two or three. <laughs> burrow driver, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll, uh, I'll pay when we get to town. I'm a, I'm a hunter. See all those hides? Hey, did I know you from someplace? Maybe I know you, huh? No. No, I don't think so. You are all alone, a poor, lonely man? No, 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 I, I'm not alone, I... I got a couple of friends coming along. They, uh, yeah, they ought to be here any minute. Let me look at your face. Uh, Jure, Jure, I know I've seen you before. Up in the mountains. The guy in the rocks before the Federalis chase us. crazy. i never seen you till now. You don't remember me? Me with the yellow sombrero, the gold hat? I think you tell a lie. No, no, so I... So you have a lot of hides on the burros, huh? Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I'm a hunter. Oh, ought to bring lots of money, huh? All these hides. Yeah, get away from them. Get away from them hides. Oh, we can sell these burros, too. Hey, watch these. The little cloth bags filled with something. Hey, give me a knife. I think I look in the little bag. You touch those bags and I'll kill you. Hey, it's some kind of joke. Nothing in this bag, only sand, dirt. All the little bags got only sand. Get out of here. Clear out before I... Pistol, huh? For you can't even frighten a sick louse with that. You can only shoot one of us before the other two jump on you. And that one wouldn't mind too much because the Federalists are after him anyway. Stand back there, stay. <laughs> hey, with the rock! I hit him with the rock! His shoes! I'm gonna get his shoes! Finish him off. Come on, finish him. <laughs> Feeling, Curtin? I'm all right. Town is over the hill there, Perla. We're almost there. But will Dobbs be there? Uh, yes, sir. That's the question, all right. Shooting. Yeah. Kind of like a volley. Sound seemed to come from the town. Get on the He does not federalis. Federalis. 
Yeah. Execution, probably. Well, we'll know about it pretty soon now. Well, looks like we guessed it all right, Curtin. Execution, three bandits. The storekeeper here says that one of them was Gold Hat. They finally got him. You saw no photo, senor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, uh, that's not all. Look, we better keep after Dobbs. Yo tengo malas noticias, senor. Su compañero. Uh, bueno, amigo. Su compañero fue matado a sangre fría por los tres bandidos. He's dead, Curtin. Dobbs is dead. Dead? Yeah, those bandits. But our goods. What does he say about our goods? ¿Dónde están uh, nuestras uh, cosas? Aquí, aquí, senor. Yo tengo todo aquí, incluyendo los burritos. Están detrás de la tienda. Uh, he says he's got everything. This way, Curtin, the back of the store. It's not here, Howard. The gold's gone. Everything else is here but the gold. Keep your shirt on. Señor. Que pasa, señor? ¿Sabe algo sobre unas costaleras uh, muy posadas? No, señor, no. De eso no sé nada. Well, says everything the bandits had is right here. Señor, you asked my father about some little Thomas bags? Yeah, yeah. Where are they? Costalitas. ¿De qué habla, hijo? Un momento, papá. I do not know where the bags are, senor. But I heard the bonnets talking in the jail. They said the senor whom they killed had canvas bags with sand in them. Many, many bags on the burros. Well, where are they? Well, where did they kill the American? At the water hole by the ruined wall, outside the town. And you take us there? Oh, yes, senor. Right away. Here's another one, Howard. Empty. The bags are all empty. They're cut open and empty. Keep looking. Keep looking. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're all... Yeah, they're empty, all right. Yeah. Another couple of hours in this wind, and we wouldn't even find the bags. Swept away and buried under the dust of the earth. But what happened? Bandits. Them miserable, stupid, ignorant bandits. Stole Dobbs' shoes, took the shirt off his back, and threw away $105,000 worth of gold because they thought it was sand. But then it must be here on the ground somewhere. Here. Here. Here in this wind? Ha! Ha ha! Ha ha! Ha ha! Ha ha! It's a great joke, Curtin, old boy. It's a great joke. Played on us for the Lord or fate or nature, whatever you prefer. But whoever or whatever played it certainly had a sense of humor. <laughs> the gold is gone, Curtin. Gone back the way we found it. Gone. It's all gone. Dobbs is dead and the gold is gone. <laughs> uh, this joke is worth ten, mo- ten months of suffering and labor. This joke is. Look at the Indians. They're laughing too, and they don't know what they're laughing at. That's our own private joke, Curtin, old boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well, Howard, what next, I wonder? Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm all fixed. I'll go back with the Indians, be a medicine man. Three meals a day, five of one of them, roof over my head and a drink every now and then to warm me up. I'll be worshipped and fed and treated like a high priest, which other people think they want to hear. Good medicine men are born, not made. <laughs> Come and see me sometime, my boy. You'll take your head off when you see how respected I am. Yeah, I'm all fixed up for the rest of my natural life. 
How about yourself? What are you aiming to do? I haven't got any ideas. Ah, you're young yet. Got plenty of time to make three or four fortunes for yourself. You know, I'm really no worse off than I was back in Tampico. I'm out a couple of hundred bucks when you come right down to it. Not very much compared to what Dobbsy lost. Any special place you're bent on going? No. All places are the same to me. Tell you what. You keep my share of what the Burrs and the Hydes will bring, and if you use the money to buy a ticket to Dallas, see Cody's widow. Better than writing. Tell her what happened. Okay, Pop. I'll go to Dallas. Hey, you, son. Come here. Yes, senor. Tell your father to give this man all the Hydes and Burrs. They're all his now. I'm going off with the Indians. Yes, senor. I will tell him. Well, I guess I'll round up my heathen brethren and we'll be on our way. Bye, Curtin. Bye, Howard. Good luck. Same to you. Fabulous stuff. That was Humphrey Bogart in a tremendous adaptation of The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, I'm sure you'll agree. Well, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on whether or not you like these podcasts, I shall be away now on holiday for a week or so. But I'll be back on or around the 4th of August. So go and give your ears a rest, apply an ice pack, and dread my return in two weeks' time. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you very soon. Bye for now. Spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts.